1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 1059 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. Our expert from Remax Prime Properties is Asif Khan. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. All right. This is our show, our last show of 2023, and we've decided to take a bit of a look back. How would you characterize this year in real estate? Well, I think as we've said a number of times in the last few weeks, it certainly has been a roller coaster ride. And, you know, we started off with a lot of negativity, not only about interest rates, but possibility of people losing their homes when they were renewing. There was so much talk about the market crashing, the bubble bursting. And then we had a bit of a reprieve. So then came the interest rate hold, and we thought that. They were not going to go up anymore. The rates were not going to go up anymore. There was a, a buying frenzy through springtime. And then that came to a screeching halt again when the rates started to go up. We had a, a few consecutive rate increases and then the pause again. And that pause that we've had over the last three months has now signaled a, a, a back to the market, uh, off the fence type of movement where we're starting to see buyers come back to the market. And there's a, a bit of a window of opportunity that's open right now before things start to get really crazy in 2024. Now, we heard a couple of weeks ago from the Toronto Real Estate Board, and they're saying that for November, the annual real estate sales in 2023 are on pace for the lowest total seen since the early 2000s. Yeah, it's been very quiet. And again, it's the cost of borrowing. And that's certainly put a damper on a lot of people's hopes to get into home ownership or even to move up or down in their, in their housing situation. Because even if you wanted to downsize, your payment may be significantly higher because the rates are different now than they were the last three years or four years or five years when it was pretty cheap to borrow money from the bank. But if you're trying to downsize and maybe going down three, four, five hundred thousand dollars in terms of price, but the interest rate is double of what you're used to, you could very well be paying more. So a lot of people have put their home buying and selling on hold until the rates stabilize and, and we're starting to see that stability come now. So certainly November and December will have been very quiet for you know when we compare it to previous years. But I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. So when we're looking back to November, it says, as of November 30th, TREB member realtors in Toronto and the greater Toronto area reported 62,575 total transactions. What do you think about those numbers compared to previous years? And you've been doing this a long time. Yeah, they're pretty scary. I thought last year at 75,000 in total was a low year. And even I anticipated that we would probably be around the 80,000 sale mark this year. So obviously it's been a huge hit to not even hit last year's numbers. And we're going to start to see a bit of that pent up demand come back into the market in 2024 and, and into 2025. So again, I think there's better days ahead for real estate sales. However, 2023 will certainly go down as one of the worst years for sales in real estate history. 
Well, your memory is great because Treb reported a record 121,712 sales in 2021, and annual sales fell to just over 75,000 transactions in 2022. So if you look ahead to 2024, what do you think is going to happen? 2024, I'm, I'm still going to say that we're going to see an increase in sales. I think it'll be between 80 to 85,000 sales. And the reason is I would say it would be higher, but because the rates will stay steady for the next couple of months before we even see any inclination of rates coming down. I think that'll it'll spur the market with the rate hold. However, it won't blow the doors off the market until we see one or two rate decreases. And I do believe that we're going to see those rate decreases over the course of 2024 and bring that rate down from 5%, the overnight lending rate down from 5% to around the three to three and a half mark, which will really kickstart that market. And we're going to start seeing prices increase a lot more because the Buying frenzy is going to begin and bidding wars will be the norm. It sounds like what you're saying is something similar to what we heard Kevin Stewart say last week regarding Metro Detroit, right? He said come mid-year next year that those prices for homes are going to go through the roof. And so if you're needing to get into the housing game, you may want to get in earlier rather than later. Yeah, and for the buyers that are listening and that have been waiting on the fence for something to happen for them to, you know, get that motivation or, or, you know, be able to afford a little bit more, this is your opportunity. You've got a very small window and it'll probably close by mid-March, end of March. So January and February is probably the time where you may be able to pick up a home and I think the time right now for mortgages is to stay variable. So your rate will decrease as you go along. And at the same time, you're going to get the house that you want because people are still, some people are still sitting on that fence. They want to actually see that rate drop. And as soon as that first rate drop hits, that's when it's going to get crazy. So you've got a bit of a window of opportunity here that you can take advantage of. There are those, though, that are concerned about jumping into the market because affordability is such a big issue. It really is. And affordability is going to become more of an issue as we move forward because the demand is going to continue to outweigh supply. And that's been, you know, if we could uh, put that on uh, a record and, and just keep playing it over and over again. We've been talking about this for a couple of years now that we are not keeping up with supply and demand and we need more new home starts. We need more building. And there's a few factors with that. There's some builders that just can't afford to build at today's prices for what they've sold their units for. There's a supply issue, obviously. And then there's also the fact that we don't have enough skilled labor here to keep up with the building demands that we have. So there's a few factors in that that we're going to continue to see demand outweigh supply, and that's going to put further upward pressure on pricing. Well, speaking of pricing, the average home price last month was over a million dollars. How do you not feel discouraged by that kind of number? It really is discouraging. And, you know, this is similar to when Kevin Stewart and, uh, you know, he was mentioning when we used to chat before, I used to say, well, a million dollars will get you just a traditional four-bedroom property in a suburb in the GTA. And over there, a million dollars will get you a luxury home with a lot of land in the nicest areas of Metro Detroit. And it's, it's 
discouraging to see those reports that the average price is over a million dollars in a market that's been so down in terms of number of sales. Uh, You would think that with the number of sales decreasing, it would put some downward pressure on price. And we haven't seen that. We've seen prices continue to increase. And that's because of the the sheer power of the, the demand that's out there to own homes in the GTA. Do you think there's still that confidence out there that home ownership is still a really solid investment? Yeah, and as we spoke to Christopher Alexander about the REMAX 2024 outlook, the majority of Canadians still believe that home ownership is the right way to go in terms of building equity, in terms of building their future. So that will, you know, Canadians are very conservative, but they also, they're very smart with their money. And they know that this is a great way for them to money into their home and be able to capitalize it because you don't buy a home and sell it in six months when prices are dropping and then buy it again. A home is a long-term investment and I think Canadian real estate has proven over the years that it's the safest and most solid investment out there. Okay, so as we look forward once again to 2024, what do you think we can expect in the first few months? I think in the first few months it'll be business as usual, status quo, kind of like what we saw in 2023, the latter part of 2023, because confidence is starting to return. But as we get into the end of January, beginning of February, I think sales are going to start to increase because people are going to realize that that window is closing. So you're going to start to see a lot of buyers jump off that fence, get into home ownership, and uh, you know the move up buyers, the the ones that are smart sizing, they're going to be out there and, and active. There's, there's going to be a lot of activity by the end of January. February is going to be pretty active. And then you're going to probably see a rate drop or hear some chatter about a rate drop, which is really going to fuel that market. And I think the spring market is going to absolutely explode. So one final piece of advice if we're thinking ahead to 2024. I think if you're a seller, use the holidays to get your home ready and and. Don't be afraid to jump on the market early. And if you're a buyer, you have a very small window of opportunity here before prices go crazy. After the break, underbidding in the GTA has reached its highest level of the year. That story is next. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's radio real estate show. Over to my co-host and our real estate expert, Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties with today's guest, Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining us is Wahi CEO, Benji Kachin. Benji, welcome back to On the Market. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. Benji, great report about the overview of the GTA market. Tell us some of the highlights that Wahi found in this report. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Some of the highlights include uh, looking at prices, number of sales, average days on market. Uh, What we found actually is uh, well, the t- number of transactions in the GTA year over year is down 17%. It's the region in the province of Ontario where prices are holding their own the most. Uh, for example, the median price to the year in the GTA is $970,000. It's only down by 5%. And when we compare it to many of the outer regions or other cities in Ontario, uh, it really is uh, holding its value. What we also found 
is that uh, average days on market uh, at 19 for the period is uh, creeping up a little bit. And what in terms of underbidding was found in terms of this survey? So uh, what, we, what we're finding uh, in uh, the month of November is a uh, record amount of underbidding. Uh, we look at about 400 neighborhoods across the GTA, and we take any neighborhood where there's more than five transactions in a given month. So based on that criteria, there were 256 neighborhoods that met that criteria of over five transactions. And 239 of them, or 93%, were in underbidding territory in the month of November. And that's uh, the most that we've seen uh, through the entire year of 2023. And Benji, when you're looking at different areas, when you're comparing York Region to Durham Region or Peel Region, what stood out in terms of overbidding and underbidding? Well, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a tale of two cities in in uh, New York region specifically uh, there's well, one of one of the we look at the top five underbidding neighborhoods one of the trends we found of underbidding is they tended to be at higher price homes uh, by and large above one and a half to two and a half million dollar price range there's one of those in uh, Bonn Kleinberg that was in uh, actually one of the top five underbid in the whole region of GTA it was underbid by one hundred and twenty thousand dollars but we also found uh, by the opposite that uh, Buttonville in Markham, the first time I've actually seen it on the top five overbid list for the year, was 56000 overbid uh, for a median price of $1.75 million. And do you think this was due to higher interest rates? Or, or why, was, you know, why were these areas found to be either underbidding or overbidding? Well, first off, there's only 16 of the 400 neighborhoods were in overbidding. So it's very few and far between okay. where we're seeing overbidding. The, the rare exception where we are seeing it tends to be uh, areas where houses are more affordable, which leads us to the theme that we're seeing overall, uh, not just in the GTA, not just in York region, but across Canada, is housing affordability is one of the challenges of our time. And it's particularly exacerbated not only by the supply shortage of housing, but also by the rapid run-up in interest rates that's making it harder for customers to either qualify or requalify at current prices. And that's definitely affecting where people are able to afford, affects where, the, where they're able to bid. And Benji, you said uh, November transactions were down about 17%, which is pretty it's a pretty consistent theme throughout the year. Transactions have been down for various factors, interest rates being one of them. How do you see 2024 playing out? Do you see a resurgence there of that market with interest rates now stable and potentially dropping? How do you think that'll play out? We're actually seeing a little bit of an uptick of activity in the last uh, two weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. is a relatively young company. We're under two years old. And we've actually experienced the best two-week period in our history over the last two weeks. I think it's a combination of factors that we're seeing, which is, A, the supply is more than we've seen in a very long time, which has allowed days on market to creep up a little bit over that period, which is allowing uh, consumers to actually have the selection of houses they want on one hand. But on the demand side, we've seen fixed-term interest rates fall a little bit. Uh, For the first time in over a year, we're seeing some uh, insured mortgages, which would be what a first-time homebuyer 
would qualify for at 4.99% or just over 5%, which is allowing uh, the consumer that can qualify for that to get an extra thirty dollars to $50,000 house. So the confluence of those two factors is, I think, leading to a little bit more buoyant market in terms of transaction volume. And I don't see any reason why that won't continue as we go into 2024. Benji, I just want to circle back to the underbidding side of this conversation. So that means that buyers are offering less than asking. Does that also mean that sellers are selling their homes for less? It doesn't necessarily mean that they're selling it for less. Because underbidding is a function of two factors. One, what is the asking price of the house? Mm -hmm. And two is what was actually bid for that house. In some parts of the city, there's a culture of listing at way below what the market is, hoping to get a bidding war. Others, in other parts of the city or other dwelling types, there's a trend or a norm for that region to price it more at asking. And some of this is a factor of which realtor is listing it and what their individual style is, what the relationship with their customer is, etc. That being said, when we see underbidding like this, it means uh, for sure we're not in a bidding frenzy, although there is a little bit of multiple bids that we're seeing at certain price points in the market. Uh, but by and large, we're not in a bidding frenzy. It's consistent with what we're seeing with the days on market creeping up, uh, buyers being able to take a little bit more time to find the right house, negotiate the right terms in the offer, and to a certain extent, uh, be a little bit more of a stickler for the price that they're willing to pay. Benji, with the recent uh, Tressa implementation into the Ontario market, we are now able to sell houses in an open offer process. And there's a lot of people waiting and salivating about being able to know what the other offers are and thinking they're going to get a deal. But when you look into markets that have already used this type of concept, you start to see that prices climb very quickly in an auction type of process. What are your thoughts on open bidding? So we've built, uh, we've built a, an auction tool that's the epitome of being able to openly bid. And if there's any realtors out there that want to use it, we have a tool that they can use to openly bid on houses. That being said, I think it's not necessarily the cultural norm in Canada for sellers to do that. And with the TRESA, the new Trust and Real Estate Act rules, uh, it doesn't mandate that houses must be sold openly. It requires that sellers have the choice anywhere through the process to be able to open up the bidding or open up the hood on prices. And uh, I think that my, if I were to bet, I think that we're likely to be slow to change. I think that, uh, well, it's good for buyers, and I understand every buyer under the sun, myself included, if I'm buying, wants to see every other offer. Uh, I'm not sure that every seller necessarily wants to open every offer up to every person that is bidding. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next uh, quarters and years as this works its way through the market. We're, we're there and on site. As long as people want to use it, uh, we have the tools to do it. But ultimately, it will be the consumers that choose. Benji, as we conclude our conversation today, it's also the conclusion or the last show of the year for us. Can I ask you to characterize how you would describe 2023 in terms of real estate and maybe take a look at 2024 as well? So I would, I would uh, characterize 2023 as a 
return to normalization after the pandemic. It wasn't so long ago that uh, we weren't able to do open houses. Uh, it wasn't so long ago that uh, consumers who were uh, cramped in their downtown condos were looking for more room to live and buying in the far outer suburbs. I'd say 2023 was the year where we were getting back to normal. People were back in the office again, or at least uh, mixed hybrid work between the office and their home. Uh, location, as it's always mattered through history, has started to matter again uh, in terms of uh, being close to the things that you value, whether that's family or office or entertainment or kids' sport. Uh, and couple that with the challenges, the very real challenges that consumers have had with affordability and those rising mortgage payments as, as interest rates have risen at a rate that we haven't seen in a very, very long time. So all of those coupled together, I'd say, have led to a healthier, more balanced market in 2023. 2024 uh, will be interesting as uh, we're certainly seeing some buoyancy in the last few weeks of this market. Uh, I would expect that in the springtime, uh, a number of people that have been holding on to their places and not quite sure uh, if and when they'll sell as the rates have risen so much as they see things stabilize and get to normal. I expect that uh, we'll see a lot more selection of listings. And uh, what I also see is fixed-term mortgage rates. Even if the variable rates don't fall, I'm expecting that fixed-term rates, they've already started to fall a little bit, uh, will make affordability a little easier for many consumers. So I expect 2024 to be uh, robust and balanced year. Looking forward to that. Benji, if our listeners want to read more about the reports from Wahi, where can they find them? So I encourage uh, your listeners to download our app at the iOS or Android uh, uh, stores, and uh, they can access that and all of our tools, reports, and information uh, on our website, www.wahi.com, W-A-H-I.com. Benji, thanks so much, and we hope to talk to you more in the new year. Look forward to it. Uh, thanks, Asif. Thanks, Tina. Thank you. When we come back, your real estate questions. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market. Your questions for Asif Khan are next. And we begin with Steve in King. He wants to invest in a pre-construction condo and is asking for your take, Asif, on the market in York Region compared to Toronto in terms of price per square foot, maintenance costs, and square footage. Asif. So the price per square foot in York Region is definitely a lot lower than what you would pay in Toronto. In the Toronto and the core areas, you're paying about $1,800 a square foot to $2,000 a square foot for the better buildings right now and the better builders. In York Region, you're probably around $1,200 to $1,400 for the, the good buildings. Now, there's a, a lot of great opportunities in York Region around the Vaughan uh, subway stations, the downtown Markham area where York University is coming up. So there's a lot of really good opportunities, even up the Young Street Corridor in Richmond Hill, because eventually the subway is going to be coming there. So there's a lot of money to be made in that area in the future as well. So lots of great opportunities. Maintenance fees are generally a little bit lower 
in York Region, you're probably going to be about 10 to 15 cents per square foot cheaper than what they are in the Toronto area right now. And, and then the other big consideration is parking. So a lot of the buildings in Toronto will not allow you to have parking if you have a one bedroom or smaller. And by that, it could be a bachelor unit or a small one bedroom. And parking isn't even allowed to be purchased with those units. But if you're in the 905, now you have an opportunity that maybe you can get a parking spot for $35,000, $40,000, where downtown Toronto in some of the bigger buildings, you're paying about seventy-five to 95000 for a parking spot. So lots of opportunities in York Region that would definitely make it more affordable. And when it's more affordable, now you can rent these out if you're an investor and make some money on them rather than having to keep putting money in. And uh, that those are the main differences right there. I'd like to pick up on a point that you mentioned there about parking in downtown Toronto. So a parking spot is not necessarily purchased with the condo in downtown Toronto if it's smaller than a one-bedroom? Yeah, they're not allowing because there's a limited number of parking spots and they're not allowing the smaller units to purchase parking spots. So you have to be a one-and-den and some in some buildings you have to be over a two-bedroom in order to purchase a parking spot. And then, again, there's limited parking spots. So if you go in and want to purchase a parking spot for a smaller unit, you're going to be on a waiting list to make sure that everyone in the larger units get their parking spots first. And if Steve is considering an investment in a pre-construction condo, should he also anticipate a delay in the closing date or date of possession of the property? Yeah, right now they're facing a lot of delays. There's some issues with some builders with their financing. But the main thing is they don't have enough trades to go in and and complete these projects. So we've seen delays between a year to almost seven years in in some areas of the Golden Horseshoe. So there's a building in Burlington that's about seven years behind. There's, uh, you know, there there was a building in Stouffville that was around the same. It was about seven years behind. But there's a lot of builders that are actually canceling projects right now because the price that they sold these units for four years ago or five years ago, it's just not feasible for them to build. So we're seeing a lot of that as well. So make sure that you're speaking to a realtor and getting the scoop on the builder as well as the building and layouts and costs. And that way you'll be prepared to go in and purchase this unit without stress. Our next question comes from Beth in Richmond Hill. She is purchasing a townhome in Vaughan and wants to know your thoughts on if those builder upgrades are worth the money. Asif, what do you think? It depends on the upgrades. There's there's certain upgrades that you want to pay for because they're too hard to do later on, like a rough-in for a bathroom in the basement. You want the builder to do that, so it's well worth the money. But then there's some upgrades that you'll see what prices the builders are charging and say, you know, I could do this prior to moving in, after I take possession prior to moving in, like maybe hardwood flooring or granite countertops. It really depends on the cost that the builder is charging. And if they're feasible or if they're cost effective, then I would go ahead and get it done because then you're just moving right in. But if you do have the time, maybe a month or two after you take possession to do some upgrades yourself, you'll save a lot of money. But there, again, there's some upgrades that you want done by the builder before the drywall goes up or before the concrete is poured, uh, you want those already in place. 
So a rough-in for a bathroom, an additional bathroom, might be worth the investment. But what about those upgrades that includes um, a choice of tiles, for example? What do you think about that? Well, again, it's uh, personal taste. There's there's a few packages that the builders will offer that will include your floor tiles, your wall tiles, and then maybe some countertops like bathrooms and things like that. That may not be too bad, but if you're considering doing major stuff like kitchen cabinets and things like that, it may be too expensive for the builder to do it, but that could be something that you do later. Appliances, that's another thing that a lot of builders may throw in uh, basic appliances. So you can actually go and negotiate with the supplier of those appliances to upgrade before the appliances are delivered. And and that's a good thing to do as well. Uh, putting in the uh, for the conduits for wiring, if you wanted to have a wall mount TV, things like that, that the builder can get done prior to the drywall going in. That's always good because it'll help you out in the long run. Uh, central vac rough in, that'll help you out as well. So lots of things that you know are behind the walls or have to be done when the concrete is being poured, like the plumbing for the rough in. All of that stuff I would say are great upgrades. And then if you wanted to do some cosmetic stuff, sometimes the cosmetic stuff is cheaper aftermarket. Thank you, Asif. Great suggestions there. As a reminder, if you have questions for On the Market, hit send anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? They can always reach me by cell, 416-985-5426. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. And this is our last show of 2023. We wish you a happy, healthy, and prosperous 2024. Join us again on January 6th. I'm Tina Cortez. For Asif Khan, thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.